and through. They've just got to take this through as quickly as possible. Sharps with it to grow. Deep, deep into stoppage time. Now or never for Shrewsby Town. We're at the point of no return almost. Richards for Shrewsby. Shoots him a long way out. So hello and welcome to the fourth uh, Saddlecast Time Machine, uh, where we look back at some of the classic um, great games of Shrewsbury Town's history uh, in, in association with the football club who are putting those games out on the YouTube channel today on Sunday. So yeah, this time we're not going quite as far back as we have done in the last few episodes. Ollie, we're going back to what date? We're going back to um, March 2012, mm. a Tuesday night game. It is, and it was the game that ended Shrewsbury Town 2, Oxford 2, and is mostly remembered because Matt Richards scored a late stunner um, as we came back from 2-0 down to maintain our unbeaten record at home uh, with the draw. So, yeah, a game that, you know, before we get into it, and we've obviously watched it back and, and everyone watched it back today, you know, a game that sort of I massively fondly remember, Ollie, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, this was a really good game, a really good Tuesday night game, um, and a really nice season as well. Um, oh, under, you've got a good team here, and you've got some good players in it, and yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a bit of a, a golden era in the last kind of 20 years in terms of having a team. It was a nice season, this one, I thought, um, and some good players in it as well, good blend of, um, so we talked about in the, when we did the commentary, you got a, a team that was full of your kids, and let's say, old blokes um, but this was a really really well put together squad um, Graham Turner was really good as a kind of director of football stroke football manager wasn't he his recruitment mm. was fantastic and just seeing that you know, we've got Romain Sawyers on loan um, yeah. just shows you how good Turner was with contacts and scouting he was a fantastic manager such a good bloke yeah and we'll go through it there were injuries as well during this period of time where we had players out but it, you know the replacements were, were sort of equally up to the job as we'll see as we go through the game so well balanced yeah. squad do you know what I mean like a yeah. really well balanced squad Really good. So I think the best thing to do, we, we both watched it back, we both really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we will dig into this game. So, Shrewsbury Town 2, Oxford United 2, with goals from Mark Wright on 54 minutes. And Matt Richards on 94, pretty much the last kick of the game. Um, the two goals for Oxford were on the first minute and the 38th minute, and they were both through Mr. Holmes, who regularly scores against us. He was um, a good player at this time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was just starting to come through, wasn't he? I think this is his first season with Oxford. Um, but yeah, he's always been a good player and has been a, a thorn in our side many times, Ollie. Um, yeah, in front of five thousand two hundred and five with three hundred and fifty-two from Oxford. So um, yeah, you know, a bit down on the crowds we get now, but this was League Two at that point in time, I suppose. Um, and a win in this match would have returned us to the top three in League Two. So. Um, obviously, as people will know, we went on to get promoted this season, um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, we, we really were pushing, pushing right at the top of the table. Interestingly, as we look at the managers, obviously we had Lord Graham Turner in charge at this point in time. Um, but interestingly, Oxford were managed by some bloke called Chris Wilder. I, I don't really know what's happened to him, Ollie. What, what did he go on to do? <laughs> He's done all right, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> I asked our um, football friend, um, the D three D four podcast, James, because um, he was a, he's a big Oxford fan. Yeah, um, and it's and for me and you know we do there are certain fan groups that do get a bit of reputation. Mm. for being a little bit maybe a bit whingy like Bristol Rovers perhaps <laughs> and um, yeah he, he's thought he said and then I'll quote I'll read exactly what he said he, he said I thought Wilder was good but the fans at Oxford are ridiculous and constantly complained and he wow. said who, who had the last laugh on that one I wonder dot dot mm. dot and obviously him and Holmes um, uh, yeah, to Sheffield United. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Very, very odd that they were on his case because someone's got on to do. And they didn't really have a bad season under Wilder this season. They finished ninth, Ollie. So like us, they were sort of playing at the top of the league. Um, this is one of our last remaining difficult home games, I think. Um, and they missed out on the playoffs only in only in the last two games of the season. So so they did well under Wilder that season, and obviously he showed what he was worth. Obviously we went on, as I said, to get promoted on eighty eight points. Behind Paolo Di Canio Swindon on 93, um, who, who went on a really, really good run at the end of the season and just sort of pipped everybody in a, a massive unbeaten run that they went on. Um, in terms of some context around this time, Ollie, we just loaned out Lion Lanesworth to Burton, which I think I remember being quite a controversial loan because um, a lot of people had a lot of time for Lion Lanesworth. Um, yeah. And yeah, we were the only team at this point in time in the whole of the Football League, the whole 92, that had not lost a home game in League or Cup. Um, I think two teams were unbeaten in the league. One of them was Man City at this point in time. 
um, and another team I can't remember. But yeah, in terms of League or Cup, um, we were the only team unbeaten. So it was something that was massively on the mind of all fans, wasn't it? We really were desperate to get through these last, I think, six home games and, and set that record. Yeah, we were having a really good season and we'd, we'd, we'd gone 23 games unbeaten at home. Unbelievable. And it was just an absolute fortress. You know, you think about the years under ASCII and stuff and things like that, <laughs> going to home game knowing you're going to lose. Um, and yeah, this was a good season. Um, some good memories going to the Meadow. And a good team, um, Ollie. Run us through it. Yeah, good. Yeah, good team. So um, we had um, Carl Regan at right back. So we're playing four four two, classic four four two, and with two out and out wingers, um, two out and out strikers. Um, so we had Carl Regan at right back, Ian Sharps and Jermaine Grandison at central defence, um, and Colin McLaughlin, who's now at Sunderland at left yep. back, who's a right back. He was on loan from Preston North End, um, and then um, Shrewsbury Town's own John Taylor at right wing. Mark Wright on the left wing, um, and then central pairing of Matty Richards and, and Dave McAllister. Um, so two good footballers in central midfield. Mm-hmm. And then up front, Marvin Morgan and James Collins, who's obviously gone on to have a, a bit of a rebirth in his career. Um, and it's interesting when you look at him here, I think the, the, the James Collins that is at um, Luton is a more refined figure. Uh, yeah. He's still a really good player for us. Um, but yeah, he he looks a lot sharper and a lot, I'll say, thinner at Luton now. But um, just shows you, doesn't it, that you know you shouldn't never write a player off, and everything should be written with. Every should hold hold your opinions lightly. Um, let's just say. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever thought when he when he left it was uh, anything but we were losing a good player because he'd all, he'd done well. Yeah, for both, I, I thought that he didn't do know. that well in League One, and I'll be honest, mm. I did. I was okay. one of those fans that said he wasn't scoring enough and wasn't much of a threat in League One. And at this point, he wasn't. Um, no. But it's just, isn't it? It's fascinating. And, and it's interesting, actually, emotion and players' mindset comes up a lot of play in this game, I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, maybe it was a confident thing. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, he's certain to have a good career. And the interesting thing about the team was we were obviously missing a couple of players who played a massive part in the season, one of them being Joe Jacobson, uh, who obviously would have played left back, but he was out with an injury. Um, we were also missing Shane Cancel Sheriff, who often played centre back with Sharps, and that meant Grandison played right back. So. Um, Grandison had shifted a, across to, to cover that hole we were also missing Connor Goldson who was just coming through who played quite a few games and also Ruben Hazel as well so a fair few defenders out there but um, still you know what, what ended up being quite a strong back line yeah a really good team um, Connor Goldson yeah he'd come through in 2010 yep. um, into the into the, into the the youth system um, such a good player I really like Connor Goldson I'd love to see mm. him back in the Premier League at some point um, I think yeah. he will yeah yeah, and the Oxford side playing in a four-three-three, mm-hmm. a, few, a few familiar names. Um, so they had um, um, bat- um, right back Dubry and Wright and Tonkin in um, mid- in defence. Then they had a midfield three of um, wing. Then they were Hall and Chapman, Rendell and um, Johnson and Lee Holmes playing on the left side. So yeah, um, they're very much playing like a, a modern four-three-three uh, with a pivot, mm. um, which went on to have a big impact in the first half. Um, oh, for sure. but I think it's worth to say if you haven't watched this game you really got to it's a genuinely an entertaining game yeah the match of a different tactics is one of the things that makes it quite entertaining I think as well two kind yeah. of different styles um, you, sort, you sort of say about a few familiar names yeah Michael Dubry who was coming to the end of his career having played up at the, in the top flight for Man City for a long time um, was it Man City or Chelsea? No, Maybe Chelsea. Gonna, Chelsea, sorry, I'm going mad on it. Um, and then obviously Asa Hall, who'd, who'd been with us. And then, as we said, Lee Holmes, Scott Rendell were pretty regular scorers at this level. Um, and, and even the goalkeeper had done well for Oxford over the years. So, yeah, a, a pretty strong Oxford team, to be honest with you. And, and again, that's another reason why it ended up being quite competitive, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. Let's just start as we usually do. Were you at this game, Ollie? I was, yeah, as I said, yeah, yep. definitely at this game. Yeah, good game. And, um, yeah, just didn't miss many games at these these days. No, no, I was there too in my usual seat as well. And uh, yeah, so we would have sat down. I probably would have rolled up on the night. I didn't get there particularly, you know, don't don't leave much time. I just rolled up for kickoff on a Tuesday night and uh, probably would have sat in my seat. And 54 seconds after kickoff, Ollie, I would have been pretty disappointed. <laughs> yep, it was possibly one of the worst um, starts to a game at the New Meadow. Um, 54 <laughs> seconds in and played for midfield. Holmes runs across Town's back four and just curls mm. a peach into the back of the net. Um it was one of those strikes which almost deceptively fast when you're watching yeah. it on TV. I think it's maybe the, the camera angle and then where the ball was, but a super, super strike. And um, yeah, I imagine not the start that anyone would have wanted. No, no. And, and Turner goes on to talk about that early goal um, being a problem for the way we played the rest of this half, which I think is fair because we were just so used to sort of doing well at home, but falling behind so quickly really put us under a bit of a, 
um, you know, anxiety and, and stuff. But yeah, there was no pressure on, on Holmes as he took the goal, really. That was one of the disappointing things, I suppose. But um, we'll, we'll come to maybe tactically why, why that was as well. Um, so yeah, 1-0 down and a, and, a, and a mountain to climb. And, and it, interesting, that's what um, Steve Cross says on the commentary. So one of the really good things about watching this back as well for me is it's one of those classic Stu Dunn, Steve Cross commentaries um, that they've got overlaid on the highlights. And he was always really good, Crossy, on the commentary, I thought. You know, using that football knowledge he had from playing for the club, you know, his love of the club. He was very um, unbiased, shall we say. Um, sorry, was very biased, sorry, um, about Shrewsbury. And also, um, he just, you could tell he loved watching the games. And, and it's really good listen, listening to him back on this particularly, isn't it? Yeah, no, he was good. Yeah, good insight into, um, into <laughs> his, into his, and he's, yeah, well, he shared some good opinions and also um, yeah. shared some good observations um, and some comments, which um, always brings a little smarty face when you're thinking something and then the co-commentator says it as well uh, yeah, so that was yeah. cool for me that was nice to was, watch I've used a lot of his observations in this agenda um, so there we go <laughs> um, but yeah I think the early goal rocked us clearly um, yeah. and you know five minutes in Oxford is still in the ascendancy Collins is, is being quite useful up front as a target man but winning a few headers but it's all very scrappy from town and and as I say, you can kind of hear an anxiety in the crowd already after about six minutes because there's one point where Richard's ball comes to him in central midfield and he sort of just hoofs it forward. Um, and we're getting the West Stand audio feed where clearly we sit and you could hear that kind of, what should we call it, the West Stand anxiety that builds quite early on, like six minutes the in the game. The West Stand whinge, like a... Oh. Surprising yeah. though, considering the season we were having. <laughs> but I guess, if this, in guess in defence of the fans, it happened quite regularly. All the players mm. um, were basically... I don't know why. I don't know if they just felt. I think it was just Oxford just started with a lot of rigor and pressing and and yeah. um, intensity. And Manchester Town were just kicking it here, there, and everywhere. And we and the fans were probably just a little bit spoiled, maybe in terms of the football they'd seen. Um, context of these things is always quite interesting. Um, but yeah, here we are, um, one nil down, and um, our central fielders are hoofing it up to the strikers, who haven't really got much chance to get these balls under control. No, Morgan struggled to get into it early on, didn't he? Morgan, sure. yeah, particularly, um, yeah. Yeah, and he came into it as it went on. Um, and we were just a bit wasteful. But I did think even over that first 10 minutes, you know, as much as we'll talk about what he did in the in the last few minutes and how he changed the game, Richards was very busy. Like, everything went through Richards, didn't it, as, in terms yeah. of when we were trying to transition? Yeah, it did. Um, but then also at the same time, the central offenders were quite keen to play it long. Uh, yeah, but aimless. But yeah, this is like ten minutes in. It seems very um, interesting um, that we're struggling to kind of control the midfield. Mm. And really, the first sort of chance we got was when Mark Wright um, finally got a bit of space and got a bit of ball, ran with it, um, whipped a ball in, but it, it was straight at the keeper. But signs of some improvements, really. But. Yeah, Towns is still struggling to settle and, and very disjointed. That was definitely a word that um, Steve Cross used and I thought that was quite fair. You're right, the long balls were aimless. Um, and yeah, what, what did you make then sort of the tactical makeup? Let's, let's cover that now really because the, the midfield you know, difference in there was problematic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was huge. This is a classic um, 4-4-2 versus 4-3-3 with a 3v2 in the middle. Yeah. Um, and... They were just getting triangles played around them. Um, it was really poor. Um, their pivot and wing was just sitting back and just dictating play. He wasn't getting any pressure from the two strikers. And no. then he just had acres to space. And I felt sorry for the midfielders. Two central midfielders weren't getting support from anyone. The full-backs mm. um, nor, the, um, nor the wingers were getting involved to try and help. And... Yeah, we were, uh, and then, yeah, interesting, Steve Cross says the same after I made the comment in the oh, agenda, right. um, but yeah, it was it was poor, wasn't it? There was a lot of space in midfield. Yeah, I think that, you know, initially I was a bit more, um, uh, what's the word, I, I thought McAllister wasn't playing very well, and I still probably would maintain that he wasn't quite at the level Richards was in that first half. I think it's worth mentioning, just like tactics are always just one element of something. Yep. Yep. I think definitely McAllister was not um, playing to his best. Mm. Um, but I think tactics at this point was, um, you yeah. know, in terms of the reason was playing a big part. But he I didn't agree. help, certainly. That's, I think it's a fair comment. Yeah, I think that's why Richard stands out because it looked like he was just working out a little bit harder in, 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 in that area where we were sort of struggling. Um, and, you know, I think that the next sort of big chance um, that, that came really was... Um, from that incident in midfield really because Asa yeah. Hall got free um, obviously we couldn't cover the three midfielders and he just hammers it hard from absolutely miles out onto the post it's it's a really really good hit um, and, and the keeper's nowhere near it and again you know 16 minutes in we're really close to sort of um, falling 2-0 behind where you know it happened a bit later on but 2-0 down that early we could have gone in on ourselves even more but we managed to avoid that issue um, but yeah. clearly there, there were make a comment there Glenn if, you ever, if yeah. anyone's a football coach and they're trying to make a video of 4-4-2 versus 4-3-3. <laughs> this is the one, isn't it? Because they literally just pass around them 
and then yeah. get a shot off. Um, it's it's far too easy. Far too easy. Um, it's interesting at this point after they've hit the post. Then 18 minutes, Stuart Dunn already starts to talk about the unbeaten run on the commentary. So it's yeah. clearly on our mind then about that slipping slipping away. Um, but in terms of in terms of obviously away from the tactic, one player I thought who was really good for Oxford was Wing. Um, sort of sitting yeah. at the back of the the three midfielders. You know that that sort of pivot for them, that defensive central midfielder. He was running the show for them, winning the ball back and, and got them going good with distribution. I thought I thought he was really good, Ollie, in that first half. Yeah, he was really good, but we also we were allowing him to be really good as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, he definitely was good, pulling the strings, um, getting the ball forward quite quickly. Um, but he had acres of space. He almost had like a, a ring of five meters around him, which we, mm. weren't, we weren't we weren't penetrating, giving him time on the ball. Um, and yeah, he 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 was playing well. Um, and yeah, the, four, the wingers were just completely non-existent. Um, particularly, John Taylor didn't have a very good first half. He didn't, and Wright they clearly identified Wright as the for me watching it back as the tar- as the real problem because he was having a brilliant season. They really tightly marked him as soon as he got the ball. Um, they just sort of wouldn't let him have a second to breathe. He, he always had to cut back and look for someone else. He maybe in that first half only had a couple of chances to run at people. The rest of the time they marched him pretty well. So you, you give the whole of the sort of um, Oxford defence as well pretty good credit for the way that they kind of snuffed out our, our danger men really. But um, yeah, not not great. And you know they were winning towards... battles all over the park, weren't they? They were. Yeah, um, yeah. And it and it just was shown that it took us. Yeah, what, 25 minutes for us to kind of get into the game and have an opportunity? Yeah, yeah, whether it was an opportunity or not was debatable, I suppose, because um, it all came from a Matt Richards free kick um, after Marvin Morgan was fouled outright. And um, it really, one of the things that stood out to me during this before we get onto this chance was Matt Richards' delivery from corners and set pieces was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't remember how good it was. Yeah, I, I well, he, I remember him. I have to say, on the old free kicks, he was really good. Um, Brilliant, yeah. He was, yeah, he was, he was very accurate. Um, probably not as good as Ben Davis because Ben Davis no. was just phenomenal. But yeah, he was good at um, set pieces and, and it's good also he was left-footed as well so he could offer something different on corners and, and free kicks. It's always good to have yeah. two corner takers. Yeah, d- two right. I mean, we've not had many better since Matt Richards, to be fair, in whatever the, the eight years since then. It's not been, uh, not been quite that quality consistently um, but this chance was, was the first sort of chance uh, but it didn't really count for some reason and I'll explain that now yeah so you hit it in really lovely shape to it and their keeper comes out miles to punch it clear but he only punched it to the edge of the box where um, Dave McAllister's there he sort of lob headers it back and it looks like it's going in but the keeper somehow sort of claws back to punch it over but it wouldn't have counted as a chance because um, Ian Sharps had fouled the goalkeeper during all of this so <laughs> it looked like a good chance but it unfortunately was a, was a foul um, but you know signs that we were kind of getting a little bit more pressure then even though we were still probably being outplayed um, what did you make of Collins in the first half Ollie? just out of interest a frustrated figure yeah definitely because on 27 minutes, he left one in on, on that wing, um, which was interesting. I don't think it was class. that bad. Yeah, it's interesting. We both, I, <laughs> I, think, I didn't think there was that much in that. I thought it was just a bit 50-50. And for me, this is one of the first signs. Oxford, um, let's say they weren't playing with a lot of integrity. No, they went down I, yeah. very easy, moaning, whinging, uh, getting on the ref. Um, and yeah, it was a bit, a bit of shithousery from Oxford, let's be fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. For me, Collins, the only person he really linked up that well with in the first half was John Taylor. And he didn't have a great game, Taylor, but there was a couple of times where they did a couple of little interchanges and stuff where you could see that that was quite a good avenue for that season as it went on. Um, and obviously before as well, but it wasn't quite clicking in this first half for them. But you could see you could see the connection they had, I thought, watching it back. Um, but then on 30 minutes, Collins did show sort of what he was good at, you know, what he was at his best. And this was this is a mad moment, to be honest with you. So, yeah, he got the ball at his feet. Um, and he sort of weaved left and right with his good close control that he had, beat his man, looked to me for all the world like he got fouled <laughs> for a penalty. And the referee booked him for diving, Ollie. Looking back now, all these years later, what the hell did you make of that? It was definitely a penalty. It was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And uh, for me, I think this is... <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> didn't plan to mention this, but this is a, a great one for VAR. And this is probably the kind of example <laughs> where VAR was created for. Because Collins was fouled, but then... I don't know whether it was just because he was just, he was honest and just tried to... He had the ball in front of him, so his instincts mm. kicked in. Um, but then he decided to dive later... Um, it was definitely a foul. For me, this is yeah. the, the classic case of players not referees not picking up on fouls because players react in the wrong way. Referees yeah. often react to players' reactions um, rather than what actually happened. And for me, it's one of those cases. Yeah, it's ridiculous. To be fair, yeah. and this I was a referee that, to be fair, didn't have a great game. I'd love to no. see his match um, report. Um, and he was a bit inconsistent and a little bit wild with his um, with his decisions, um, which yeah. made it. In some ways, maybe contributed to quite a, a, an interesting game because the mm. players were a bit bemused with what he was going to do next. Yeah, it was it was 
Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Ollie. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was lucky, Collins, because with this referee, he went mental at the linesman and the referee, um, which felt a little bit like he was asking for a second yellow and a red card. Um, and it was unfortunate. But the, the best thing on the commentary is you can hear the town fans and everyone is incensed by the decision. Yeah. And to me, you know, watching the flow of the game, really, it'd been all Oxford up to this point. They'd been entirely dominant and, and we'd struggled to really get into the game. But this moment kind of invigorated the fans from the from the audio you can hear. And I think it invigorated our, our players as well. And we definitely yeah. got better from 30 minutes onwards. That, all, was the, that was the change. If there's anything a ref can do to get the Tarrant fans... Mm behind them and it's we've seen it on so many occasions a bad ref and a sense of injustice um the town fans so i think I generally think the town fans would get more upset about injustice um <laughs> than anything else i think a, a two-footed challenge or an elbow in a face would not get the same reaction as injustice do you know what i mean it no, I think we're, fair. we're very much a, a kind of fair kind of fan base in that sense and some injustice will definitely rile us up it certainly did, and it got us going because a couple of minutes later we had definitely had our best moment of the game, um, and it was uh, yeah, it was a, another of Richard's free kicks with really good delivery, but Collins unfortunately headed it wide. That yeah. was a good chance, and then amazingly, the next moment yeah was just <laughs> odd, odd because yeah, it's you're strange. watching it, and then all of a sudden like because the camera was kind of moves forward a little bit, getting ready all the time, so you kind of the camera moves over, and all of a sudden the camera has to go back, and all of a sudden the referee's walking <laughs> over to the goalkeeper. And um, and Stu Dunn's commentary is brilliant here because he's like, what? What's he doing? He's booking the re- the goalkeeper, and the goalkeeper hadn't done anything. He hadn't time wasted at all. Not at all. Time wasted no. had not taken place um, at this point point in the game, um, and there was no time wasting at all. So he books the, the goalkeeper. It was very odd. After thirty two minutes, of the game. Do only... you agree? He hadn't been time wasting. No, we hadn't, and it was only 32 minutes, and it was only they were only one nil up. You know, it's not like you know you're trying to kill off a game then. Surely, I mean, they were they were going down and diving a little bit, but not the worst I've ever seen. We've seen teams be way worse than that. I thought it was a completely bizarre moment. I, I thought the referee looked like a bit of a moron doing that. He was obviously tr- clearly trying to set his stall out early, but you know, it was way too early to be trying those sort of histrionics, really. Um, but yeah, the, the game was quite open and, and flowing from that point on time um, it, for, for me. About a minute later, Oxford were in again, um, and they seemed to rely in this first half on, on really good long-range shots. Yeah. Um, this time, and Holmes getting the again. ball to Holmes quickly was a, a key oh. tactic. And he had such quality, didn't he? And, and he yeah. smashed one in. Um, but this time, uh, uh, Wheel saved really. Uh, Wheel Neil, sorry, um, saved <laughs> really well. Um, I just to get those two confused. Um, and then, yeah, and then I think yeah, we started to get into it. And we were doing a bit better, but we almost kind of conceded the second at the wrong time, didn't we, on 37 minutes, Ollie? Yeah, this is a bit of a sucker punch. Oh. Um, really sucker punch. And, and, yeah, we both of us get frustrated with a poor corner. Um, and yeah. this is a really poor corner. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, Wright fails to get the first man. He barely gets into the box, to be honest. And Why was he taking it? Clear. Yeah, well, I think he was taking a right, um, right, um, right-footed in swinging corner, wasn't he? Mm, um, yeah. Well, I don't know if he, if it worked well, then you wouldn't have moaned, would you? But yeah, mm, it was poor. Yeah. So basically, Oxford's bring a counter attack, and when Johnson runs clear, he beats McLaughlin, um, McLaughlin, and then he basically plays it to the right. Lovely ball to Holmes, who comes in the keeper and chips the unrushing Neil. Um, really, really good finish, and Brilliant. yeah, punish for a really poor corner, and it just yes. shows you. How um, damaging you know a poor corner can be um, because if you do if you don't beat your first man and you just give the opposition though that kind of chance um, you mm. put in danger on yourself. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It was it was poor and everyone had gone forward for it. Obviously, we were one 0 down. We sent both the centre backs up, so we were kind of pulled as they sent as they attacked us. And um, yeah, we just we just got ripped to pieces with the the quality that Oxford's forwards had. To be honest with you, and um, it, it was an unfortunate time to concede because it kind of did sort of just take the wind out of our sails a bit and. From 37 minutes to through to half time, we only really had a couple of other half, sort of I say half chances really. But um, one of them was where um, Neil did a massive uh, hoof out from a corner, um, and their goalkeeper came rushing out. Um, Tompkins knocked it past the outrushing goalkeeper, and, and Taylor almost beat him to the ball to sort of roll it into an open goal, but um, ended up getting cleared for a corner. And then on 41, there was another half decent chance where um, McLaughlin put a nice ball in. Collins headed it back across, and then Morgan had this sort of awkward swivel chance, but he, he put it wide really and. And that was it, really. We just built a little bit of pressure for that six or seven minutes for the goal, um, and then it knocked us back, unfortunately. And, and interestingly, there were boos on half time, Ali. But I don't recall on the night. Do you think they were for the for the performance or for the referee? 
Um, I think it's a bit of both. Mm, uh, probably a, bit, a little of both um, in terms of letting themselves down. Um, it was not. Yeah. It was not ideal, was it? No. And you know, can you remember back to the night? Did you? Were you thinking that's it? Our record's gone, or do you think we still had a chance? I, I, um, no, I'm not going to make up something for the benefit of the pod now. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't oh, remember enough. it to be honest. Um, I can remember. Um, I can remember Matt Richards' goal. Um, yes. but that's about it I can remember to be honest mm. I can mm. remember Oxford being good at this time um, and maybe this comes back this kind of builds my, my memories of um, of um, of Oxford but also just yeah. a correction we've got our homes mixed up um, so we were talking about Ricky Holmes at one point and Ricky Lee Holmes maybe that's where the confusion came in we were talking about Lee Holmes here who yeah, doesn't yeah. play for I, I got confused myself because um, I was thinking of the Holmes <laughs> that scored those two goals for Charlton against us but it's yeah. not the same bloke it's someone else both of them scored a fair few against us. Yeah, they did. Um, it's, it's a not a name. Maybe that's that why I thought he's... he was such a good player because he's actually two players combined. <laughs> no, he was a few years later, wasn't he? Yeah, we need to avoid the name Holmes, uh, basically. Interestingly, we should just mention, you know, our, our Salop Cast Man of the Month, really, because he's featured in lots of content that we put out this month. Pete Wilding was doing the half-time draw Ollie this week. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, he, he did the draw. So we can't do a podcast or commentary at the moment without avoiding Pete Wilding. <laughs> yeah, good, good Pete defeat, so... Half time. How did you feel then, Glenn? You were pretty pissed off, or oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that I probably would have been frustrated to be two 0 down. Um, but you know, you're putting it into the context of the season. One of the interesting things, listening back to the commentary, was how how tight it was at the top, and how at half time, I know for a fact I would have been looking at the other results and yeah. the two teams that were around us. One was Cheltenham, and one was Torquay, who both faded away as the season went on a little bit. Um, and obviously Swindon came and, and pipped all of us really, but they were both winning at half time. So it's, it felt probably felt on the night like a pretty bad game to be losing, especially as Oxford weren't too far behind us and they were trying to get back into the sort of automatic promotion places. And you know it, it really didn't feel like a game we needed to be two 0 down in. But at the same time, you'd, you'd seen us battle really hard at home against lots of teams. I suppose you kind of had to have that faith really. Um, and you backed Turner. Yeah, a lot of times he did get us playing better in the second half when we we had underperformed. Yeah, and we we came out and we were much better. Um, Amazing. Much, much better. And that's why I kind of linked, I linked, I said earlier in the podcast on purpose, because tactics is only one thing. Um, but, you know, sometimes different elements of football um, come into play. And yeah. for me, we came out with a, a lot more energy, um, a lot more intensity. Um, and I'd say maybe even the formation didn't change, but we're a little bit more fluid. We had yes. the players had a little bit more freedom. So I was really trying to think like what tactics happened in this game, because it's such an interesting one. And Town didn't change anything fundamentally, um, but we managed just to, I don't know, there was an interesting moment, you or maybe you can explain in a second, Glenn, which kind of maybe highlights that kind of change. We didn't change anything particularly different. I'd say McAllister had a be- better half. He played better. But and we played a bit more fluid. And what happened, what kind, how did the, what's an interesting um, observation you got from the start of the game? Yeah, to me, the thing that changed the most was he he must have told the centre-backs, at any point, there's a bit of space in midfield, one of you gets the ball and you go forward with it and yep. you make that extra man up in midfield. And yep. 46 minutes, one minute into the half, Ian Sharps picks the ball up and he just flies forward into midfield, um, runs from centre-back all the way into their half and gives it on and is like that extra man in midfield. And just that little tactical change Turner made about that just put Oxford back a little bit on the back foot and it forced them back a little bit. They must have thought, we're 2-0, We'll be happy with Town doing that because we will use our good strikers and our wingers, um, you know, to to hit them on the break, and that's what they were relying on. But they didn't end up scoring another goal off the back of that, and it gave us more of a chance, and it gave us more of a foothold in the game. And it was, you know, forty six minutes. That was the first time I saw it, but it happened loads of times in the yeah, second half. Brandison did it loads, um, and then they'd stay up for the corner and the crosses if they came in. They were just a bit more proactive. The two centre backs um, and the the wing backs, uh, the, well, the full backs as they were, provided a little bit more cover when they went, and it, and it worked really yeah. well. I thought. Yeah, and I, but I think also I think you got to um, obviously we're two sides on the pitch. I think Oxford just yeah. came out and really just slowed down what the, what they were doing, what was so successful for them in the first half. They just stopped and gave us all the mm. space. It must be just that mental thing that you know going at half time away from home two 0 up. Let's back off now, and they just did, didn't they? They backed off and backed off yeah. and gave that space to central defenders um, to to push on, which gave us time to then play the ball around the back. Yep. Um, Collins looks to pull the defender out of the way it falls down ref plays on and he's on the byline um, gets a shot on the angle and cleared by the keeper and yeah Chuja Town were playing a lot better here weren't they Glenn playing with a bit more pace yeah. Yeah, that was like five minutes and a half, wasn't it? And, and yeah. that was the first of the chances that we had and, and they were going to keep coming fairly regular now. Um, and yeah, you're right. You know, we seem to have a bit more pace from them and 
I was going to mention it a bit later on, but Cross was interesting. He kept bringing this thing back to the fact that he thought that Oxford were wilting as that half went on yeah. because they played their last game with only 10 men for 80 minutes and he, and he felt a little bit like, um, this was a Tuesday and obviously we're only going three days back when they played on a Saturday and he felt a little bit like they might not have had the legs in them and maybe that was a part of what happened in the second half as well. So I think that's probably probably worth reflecting on as well. Um, maybe an interesting observation as well, actually, is that we had a lot of right-footed players in this team, yeah, we had a right-footed right back, a right-footed central defender, um, and then a right-footed right winger, mm. um, and we just had a little bit more time here, which allowed the players to kind of settle, compose themselves, and then play, and rather have to play, you know, on on and under pressure. Only mm. Matt Richards really had a only had a left foot, um, so maybe that's an interesting observation as well. They just kind of took the pressure off. Yeah, and I think they looked like everyone was just putting that extra ten percent in as well, yeah. a little bit from that combination first of everything. Yeah, particularly with Collins, Morgan, I think McAllister and, and maybe Wright as well. I think all four of those, you could tell their performance improved in that second half. And, you know, we just passed it around more. It just looked much better. And so, as I say, we got to less than 10 minutes into the half and, and we were back in it, really. So, um, 2-1. And, it, and it's a really, really good goal. This. Yeah, it um, is. Nice ball down the line to Morgan, who used those sort of rangy legs to get past his man. Um, he finds himself in acres of space. Um, I think the ball into him was from, from McAllister. Yeah, chips it to the back post and it just hangs up there for ages. And Mark Wright's got about 35 seconds to think about what he's going to do. <laughs> and it comes down, it comes down, and he just he executes a perfect volley, bending it into the right-hand side of the goal. And we all remember the, the Matt Richards goal, but th- this is a really class goal as well. Yeah, it's just you describing it. It just brought a smile to my face so I can just mm. remember it. And it's, it's his body and his shape. And we're talking about, um, you know, good volleys with Grant Holt in the previous, um, I can't remember if it was a previous podcast or commentary, whatever we've done quite a bit in the last few weeks. But it was just a really good technique and an absolutely superb goal. And um, yeah, um, yep. he absolutely loved it. And, and again, for me, it's just such a good win. When you get a winger that can score, I think that was, you got double figures that season. Um, it's such a threat when you've got a winger who can score goals and and let's say Town are back in it and I wouldn't say it gave Town impetus because we'd already started really well it just kind of yeah we just continued playing as we were and maybe just went up up a notch a little bit um, but we're playing mm. really well in the second half no we really were yeah they look shaky to be fair I should just say you know I'll often bang on about Jermaine Grandison and we'll, we'll talk about the defence in a minute and, and stuff like that but by, if Granison was my favourite player during this era, by some distance, then Mark Wright was my second favourite player by pretty far distance as well. I really, really like Mark Wright. You know, he got goals, he got assists, he worked players hard. Even when we had Aston, um, Aston even when we had Ainsworth under the wing, he was also a class winger. I always thought Wright was just much better, a really good pro, had, had done his years in the lower leagues and, and just came to us at the right time. I, I can't speak highly enough of Mark Wright's influence at our football club, Ollie. I, I just thought he was an absolute class player. Yeah, he was a really, really good player, um, very yeah. good player yeah. for this level. Um, and yeah, it's a good skillful winger who could score goals. It's um, always what, a good commodity. Exactly. One thing I did mean to moan about on that goal, if we're going to p- be picky, Ollie, is this was the era where Shrewsbury trialled goal music. Mm. And this whole thing <laughs> made me realise that I'm glad we do not have goal music. It's it's awful. It's just blaring over the tannoy when people are celebrating. I hate it. I hate goal music. Yeah, this we don't need goal why. music because town fans always no. do a, like a similar chant, don't they? Exactly. Uh, we don't need um town. We don't need town music. We don't need some um, goal <laughs> music um, at this point. So yeah, good point. Well, at least we got rid of. You've got to pump it up this season as well. So we're winning on the music front at the moment. Um, but yeah, town tails are up. Um, McLaughlin has a, a good shot wide from range. Um, and then yeah, as I said uh, at that point, Crossy sort of brought up that he thought they were wilting, which was probably fair. Um, and as I said, he, at that point in time, you could, probably could think he was right because we just were winning everything. Um, Dave McAllister really came into the game, and that was a, a real good help as well. Um, a point where he just crossed in, and, and someone cleared it away from Collins, who was poaching back post. Um, and then there was our one booking I think we got in this game I think from memory going through this game but McLaughlin got booked for being a little bit late on bat and uh, I thought we couldn't really argue with that one Ollie it was probably yeah, fair was he was foul. late wasn't he yeah. yeah it was a bit of foul and then it took you know till 60 minutes then until um, Wilder had seen the way the game was going and he made he made his first sub to try and change things around didn't he yeah he did and probably bring a bit of energy into midfield um, yeah and yeah, something that we would do um, a little bit later. Um, but Holmes is still dominating the game, isn't he? Um, he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jumps, jumps and bombs on um, and rolls it to Holmes, who has a curl shot just wide. Um, and then oh, for a few idea. minutes, they just really kind of hammer us. It's really odd. It's just football yeah. is such a swing. You know, it's a real pendulum swing here. And then Pom, um, Holmes runs us again. And Tess Neal, who's a good save and was a good goalkeeper in the season, I thought. Um, but again, we're giving them that space in midfield again, which is just... Um, criminal, really. We, you know, it was almost mm. like we hadn't learnt the lesson from the first half. 
I have to say this this they made their sub on 60 and 62 63 and then 64 Holmes was again involved um, smashed into John Taylor right by the benches um, GT had to come on and calm things down like the, the granddad came on to <laughs> calm everybody down um, but yeah in this this sort of three or four minutes after they made their sub they definitely the extra legs helped them in midfield yeah. um, they, they kind of got back in it a little bit but I thought we talk about you know everybody in the sort of attacking position now, and it's worth just talking about the defenders because the centre backs were doing really well dealing with their pacey attacks when they came forward. Um, and for me, you know, Sharps and Granderson were both really, really good in this game. But um, we've sort of discussed this a lot of times. Like I, I have really good memories of Jermaine Granderson, and I just think he's been one of my favourite players since I supported the club. But you've mentioned before about how you preferred to see Grandison at centre-back and you never thought he was that good at right-back, which is an argument for another day. But this was definitely the game to show his physicality, his his pace, his robustness and his pure you know, technical ability of controlling a ball and passing it on. You couldn't really argue with the performance like he put in at centre-back in this game, could you? No, he had a really, really good game. Um, Sharps mm. did as well. Um, he did, yeah. And I just think um, Grandison's physical attributes just doesn't... doesn't um, I'm not really benefited in right back position. Um, I think in a right back position, I'm not sure if he's quick enough in terms of his acceleration. And he's pacey, but his acceleration isn't quite there. You know, using a word that your brother loves, jockeying, I don't think was one of his strengths. Um, and I don't think he had kind of like the the agility to kind of you know, just quickly and change pace, which a fullback needs. Um, and Maybe. his crossing wasn't good enough. So, but as a central defender, you know, he's strong, he's athletic. Um, he's you know gets he, if he doesn't win the header he leads puts pressure on and it means the striker doesn't get a clear head. Um, yeah. He's also good at stepping forward into the space um, and he's you know decent at passing the ball as well. So as a central defender and I always wanted him to play central defence and I liked him playing central defence. Mm. And yeah, you're totally right. To say this is one of the examples where you know if you want to talk about great Jermaine Grandison for me, talk about him as a central defender here um, and he has a really really solid game. Yeah, problem is though at centre back he didn't he wasn't allowed to do any step overs, Ollie, so it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't quite as much fun to watch. But yeah, they were both fantastic the centre backs in dealing with with uh, the difficult Oxford players, and, and it was, yeah. it's great to watch that back and, and see how well they did. Really. We talk um, about Granison there, but there was a really good moment where Sharp's experience came in. Uh, yes, so um, so Oxford are counter attacking, um, and it's kind of like almost men, you know, man v man. Um, and Sharp just uses his body, kind of gets in, gets himself round the ball. And just rolls the defender, um, and then mm. comes away with the ball, and it's an absolutely remarkable piece of defensive play. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's a, it's, a, it's for me, it's just equivalent of like you know a, a, a winger doing a step over and doing the fullback, or a, yeah. it's really good bit of defensive play, an absolute class. And then we then we push forward. Um, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, it's a really good bit of play from from Sharps. Uh, great again a player I've got a huge amount of time for Ian Sharp so for the way he played at our football club and obviously being captain for a period of time I thought he was fantastic in this game and fantastic for pretty much all the games he played yeah. for us and um, yeah those two just, just looked really good and, and to be fair it's maybe forgetting about how well um, Shane Cancel Sheriff did when he played centre-back this season and that was most of the yeah. games wasn't it he, he was, was really good. also really good and, and to pick between those three um, and Ruben Hazel when he was fit but that wasn't very often was it um, we definitely had a lot of options this season at centre-back and, and interesting we, we were one of the lowest um, one of the teams that conceded the lowest goals this season in, in the whole league so you know they all deserve a huge amount of credit for this season and the eventual promotion really um, yeah. but yeah back to the game I suppose really um, uh, you say Holmes was still running at us we were, we were sort of dealing with that and then 66 minutes um, we sort of did what they did to us in the first half had a long ranger um, from McAllister but that just went wide um, and I don't think the keeper was all that worried and then we started to make our first sub on 68 then so um, Carl Regan went off for Nicky Rowe which was a definite um, attacking substitution in some respects because interestingly we, we put Matt Richards back to left back Ollie and then McLaughlin moved across to right back um, and then Rowe came into the centre midfield uh, you know I think it was, probably was a slightly more attacking midfield once he came on I think Rowe was a more attack minded player than Matt Richards was in central midfield yeah, he was. Um, but yeah. for me, this was we clearly we needed the um, bit of running energy. Um, Definitely, row back in midfield, do that, and then you still got Richards, um, who's played well at left back. Like, you know, we went there a few yeah. times, um, um, and I'll, I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, um, Stu Dunn mentions that he played left back for England in the twenty ones when he was at Ipswich. Ah, um, so okay. that was an interesting comment. Um, but yeah, he he did well, and, and it allowed him to be on the pitch for set pieces and also to bomb yep. forward as well. Um, and to be fair to um, to McLaughlin, he's playing um, out of position, um, and now he goes to right back. 
He was solid. I wasn't even yeah, was across this whole game. Yeah. yeah, Regan was a bit less notable. Um, obviously, yeah, he's been he subbed was. off, but um, I don't really remember too much from Regan in his time with us. But it was a good job Richards was left on the pitch because a minute later we had a free kick and he hit a massive dipping free kick, just dipped onto the roof of the net, which was really unfortunate. And um, I, I felt Close. from this point on, yeah, this point on, we really got in the groove, didn't we? We, we were really good at this point. There was lovely passing. We were working it side to side with pace. We were we were running them left and right, trying to get them to keep up with us. Felt a little bit like they were chasing shadows at time. Um, and one of these particularly nice moves led to a, a chance where um, Rowe fired over from range, which was sort of, he sort of scooped it. But um, that was nice. And then we made our next change, which again was, was like for like, but um, I think it was more about having the legs. Ollie having played a game on the Saturday before and so just took off um, John Taylor, who probably had one of his um, quietest games, I suppose, considering how, how he did have a lot of good games for us, and brought on Romain Sawyers, who was straight away tricky and effective for us. And, and um, they didn't like defending against Sawyers, did they? No, he was good. His physical attributes as well, he's quite strong. But yeah, yep. he's clearly technically a good player. Um, and he'd done well against Crew the week before. Um, and he would look really good. Um, and yeah, we were, at this point, we were just playing, like, and we talked about freedom um, in terms of, you know, fluidity. Everyone just played everywhere at this point. Mm, yeah. And it's all just really, really, really pushing forward. Uh, and yeah, it was good, good football. Um, but yeah, um, referee um, still was trying to have an influence <laughs> on the game. He was. He was given us a few free kicks. It was a couple where he could have played on. And weirdly, as soon as Richards went to left back, he did take that one free kick a minute after it. But after that, they took him off free kicks for a little period. And we were quite. We wasted a few between 74 and 78, which was a shame. But we've covered a few games, you know, for, for different bits on the Saddlecast recently where it's been wave after wave of attack against us. But it was the opposite in this period. The last 15 minutes, it was just us. A wave of wave of Shrewsbury Town attacks, which was brilliant. Um, one of the, the nicest attacks was where um, uh, Sawyers did really well down the wing and he, he cut it back nicely to Nicky Rowe um, after a step over from Sharps, which shows you how <laughs> advanced the centre-backs were at this point in time. Um, and he hit that just over. It was quite a good effort, but kind of leant back a little bit too far and, and put it over the bar. Um, and we were still pushing and this goal just wouldn't come. And it, I can mm. remember it being starting to be quite frustrating and the last roll of the dice really for, for Taylor was to take off again Morgan who I think started to get a little bit leggy. Um, again, I know it was because I looked at the next programme where um, Chris Skitt said that he'd got tired legs and that was the reason yeah. he went off um, and brought on Terry Gornell again for fresh legs. Um, and at this point it looked like Granderson was spending more time up front than he was playing at the back. Cause... Yeah. Well, he was, play- he, was run- he was running forward up front and he had Ian Sharps playing right wing. It was, this was like total football Graham Turner style and it was proper oh, trust in the players um, and yeah there was a lot of trust there was a bit where we were defending and when we were the base the ball came back from us I can't remember it was a corner or something and the ball came back to Shrewsbury he had Matt Richards this is normal play this is not like just after it yeah. you know so the ball had been recycled and he had something like um, Nicky Rowe and Richards back and you couldn't see any of the back, any of the rest of the back four. So McLaughlin was in in, in, in scope. Nor was Sharp. Nor was Granderson. Um, it was really yeah, Brilliant. really. And he trusted his players just to push on here. Yeah, and they knew they had him on the rack. So why not? I suppose. In '84, we had a couple of half chances and then a shot wide. And but time was running out. Do you know what I mean? There was six to go. Then you were starting to worry about whether this was this was going to get done. And this and '87, I thought this was really good. A bit of unreal play from Town. You know, the nicest sort of smartest bit of passing football you'll see for a while. And um, and it was pass, 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 pass. All the passes into feet. Town would take a really nice, neat touch, move it on again. There was about five of the squad involved before someone played a perfect ball um, to mark right on the edge of the area. And, and again, a little bit like the chance for Rowe before, he just leant back a little bit far and, and sort of put it over the bar. But, it, you know, watching some of this football, it was some of the nicest football we've watched between any podcast, you know, we've covered for, for years now. It was just nice football, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really, really fun game to watch. Mm. Um, Town playing really well. And, and this is where, yeah, definitely the mental side, Oxford, um, were mentally exhausted. Yes. Um, and they were really, really struggling. They were. And so it got to injury time. And I think that was where we started to worry that we weren't going to quite get the job done. So five minutes injury time goes up. Oxford get the ball and they just get into the corner. And they kill off the first two minutes of it, which was wise. We would have done the same thing. And there we go. It was, it was basically three minutes of injury time left. Stuart Dunn on commentary states the immortal words, it's now or never for Shrewsbury Town. Um, and then... <laughs> What happens? Ian Sharps uh, has a, a, he takes a throw. A throw. In. Yeah, it's brilliant. It even makes it even <laughs> makes, for me just makes it ten times better that Sharps gets the ball. He takes the throw, passes to Rowe, <laughs> passes it to Richards in acres and space. And what does Richards think? Oh well, I'll just have a crack here. Thirty-five yeah. yards out. Yeah, and it's and really funny because just... um, I was watching this game earlier. I put it on Twitter, and Dale Skitt admitted, and he put on Twitter. He know he remembers, and he knows for a fact he shouted, "Don't shoot!" And what does he do? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he shoots. It, it, Dale, Dale Skip would have been the only person doing that because, again, if you read the program, the next program, um, Ian Sharps even mentions about how he was saying, don't shoot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that no one really expected it. Although Ian Sharps did go on to say that he would score goals like that in training quite regularly, which is interesting. So he obviously had it in him um, and he absolutely hammers it into the goal and it goes to the left-hand side of the goal past the goalkeeper it's an absolutely magic moment and again for a random league game which we drew 2-2 I remember like I still remember this massively fondly you know all the different individual moments you might have seen it's it definitely my 50 top moments of, of kind of watching the town because I, I, I like everybody was so proud of that record and I really didn't want us to lose it I didn't care if we drew I wouldn't have cared if we drew that night after what had happened um, and, as, and as Steve Cross said on the commentary, it is an absolute stunner. And, and Dunny and Crossy just lose their mind. It's brilliant. Yeah. And everyone in the crowd is going mad. Uh, huge oh, comeback. Um, and yeah, very, very good um, good moment. And it's funny because in the first time you can hear the Oxford fans giving some abuse <laughs> about you know being at home and not chanting and stuff. Um, and yeah, just to win um, that late was absolutely massive. And yeah, huge celebrations. One thing I noticed in the celebrations was all the players sort of gang up on each other and all jumping in on, on Richards and stuff. And somehow, I think Nicky Rowe gets headbutted because he goes down clutching his nose like someone's headbutted him on the nose. Um, and uh, he eventually gets back up to kick off. And that was it then, really. It was like about 30 seconds left and, and Town got the ball back pretty quickly. We had one little half chance and that was it. The whistle goes and it is a huge roar on the commentary. Massive applause. Um, and, and you know, well-deserved for what was a... A kind of um, what's the word? Uh, Crystallising uh, comeback under Turner. That was what his teams were all about. He he built gritty, hardworking teams that had quality, but never gave up. And and I think this game summed it up better than most for me. Yeah, no, it's a really good summary, Glenn. Very good summary. And it was yeah, mm. it was just a really nice moment and and a really enjoyable game to watch. Um, and it was just yeah, against a good side as well, which makes it even better as well. Um, some good mm. players. So. Yeah, top three. Who'd you go for? Top three. Uh, I want to come back to something about Stuart Dunn in a minute. Remind me about Ali. Um, yeah, my, my top three uh, was Matt Richards. Regardless of the, the quality of the finish, he was all action first half. He was quality before he got moved to left back. He went to left back and played that role exceptionally well as well. And then scored the winner. You couldn't really <laughs> couldn't really make an argument for anyone else to be man of the match. But um, for, for second and third, I, I say I've talked about these two quite a bit and you know I obviously love them, but I think it's fair because Mark Wright was class second half in how he got at them, um, having sort of lost his shackles at half-time and was involved in a lot of stuff and scored a quality goal. And for me, you know, not just my you know grandness and tinted specs, I suppose, that I might wear, I think defensively when you look at the fact that we, we kept them out after that, you know, whatever it was, 38 minutes and, and restricted them to, to not many chances... Grandison Sharps were very close, but I would shade Grandison just because I thought he was a little bit more dynamic second half, and he's the man. <laughs> yeah, I went for the same top three. Um, oh, there we go. I thought Sharps was really good um, throughout the game. He had a really, really good influence. McAllister had a really improved second half. Um, you know, yes, he played an eight out of ten second half, probably a six out of ten first half. Um, but yeah, I agree with the top three there. Mm. I'd say he did well when they came on. The best of the subs I thought was Nicky Rowe. Yeah. He was a tiny little player. And it wasn't Rowe. even just um, what he did on the ball. It was just a bit of a calming influence. Um, yes, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, you can't just you can't just boil football down to tactics or whatever. It's a combination of so many things. Um, and yeah, he, yeah. he had a good influence coming on, good quality. Turner got his subs right at the right time, I think, as well. Yeah, this you couldn't really complain about it. Um, again, reading through the programs and getting the context for this game, one of the articles in the next program was Stuart Dunn talking about his top five goals since we moved to the to the new meadow, and he he credited this Matt Richards goal as his favourite goal at the new meadow, um, and he gave some context as to why he thought that. He, he named a top five, so in, it'll change now. You know, some of these would have gone down the list a bit because we've had some really good goals since then. You know, I can remember a Jacobson goal that was the next season, I think, where that was you know. A massive long range that probably was worth con- considering as well we've had some good goals as well but at, at this point in time in 2012 he had Ben Davis's free kick into the top corner versus Dagenham in 2006-07 as his fifth he had Shane Cansdall Sheriff's 30-yarder versus Macclesfield in 08-09 as his fourth place he had Mark Wright's curl on the angle versus Hereford in 2010-11 as his third he had Dave Hibbert's 30-yard dipping volley against the Ipswich in a 3-3 game in 09-010 as his, se- as his second place and yeah then he had Richards as number one so Again, context that goal, you know, over, over the course of the sort of six years at the New Meadow, it was definitely the best we'd seen. Yeah, good goals for me. Um, Sheriff um, against Macclesfield, um, mm. just because I think it just kind of happened out of nowhere, which I think it's almost got a bit of a beauty <laughs> itself. You know, he was just kind of calmly walking forward towards Macclesfield's back four and just like absolutely rocketed it into the back of the net. Um, so that <laughs> was, was a good, good one. Um, yeah, so and thinking of Hibbert, I always remember that he scored with his ass against um, Cheltenham away. 
and which is always quite which is quite a funny goal when the goalkeeper was trying to clear it. So yeah, really good game, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching that, and it was a really good game. It was good. I suppose we'll just finish it with Turner's comments, really, um, because you know it was always good reading Turner's notes on a game. So he he said in the next program, never has the phrase a game of two halves been a more appropriate than our game last Tuesday versus uh, Oxford. Very true. Um, so first off, we were nowhere near our level for the last twelve months, and conceding so early did not help, and it gave Oxford the confidence. And he noted that an anxiety ran throughout the team. Um, noted that we had a couple of good chances first half. I debate they were really good, but we had a couple of chances, I suppose. Um, but then he said, second half was a different matter. We penned Oxford back for long periods, and we 100% deserved the draw. Two goals were as good as GT had seen for some time. He praised Mark Wright's concentration for his strike and said that Richard's strike with power and accuracy was just as good as it gets. Um, said it felt like a win and was really happy with the strength of character. And he talked then about how he thought that strength of character that we've continually shown all season will put us in good stead for this run-in, which, uh, spoiler alert, it did. We really did battle well. So, um, yeah, a really good set of notes and, and, and I think a really good reflection on, on the game, where the team was and, and, and what it went on to do, really. And, yeah, a season I fondly remember. I really fondly remember. The, the yeah. whole unbeaten at home. And the fact that we'd done the unbeaten at home season twice under Turner, once in the 70s and once in the 2000s, under a manager beloved by this football club. It's, it's just such a special story, that, for our club, I think. And a team with stripes. Yes, a team with blue and amber stripes, designed Ollie by a fan. So there we go. Maybe we should ask the fans to design shirts more often. Um, but yeah, again, a kit that you remember well, players you remember well. Um, just a great season and we could cover more games from this year because there were some really good games as well where we won convincingly um, that would probably be a bit better to reflect on rather than a 2-2 draw but this game was just think again when you think about seasons and you think about a game that crystallised what your team was all about and what it went on to do that season for me as I said, I said it earlier on that's why I picked this game that's why I thought it was such a good one to cover um, and just to score a goal in 94 minutes to keep a run going like that it's just fantastic so more of this content. That's what we need. More of these sorts of games. Yep. So yeah, it's. Uh, hope everyone has enjoyed the podcast. Um, it's been yeah our fourth one in this series, and obviously mm. that's why we're in in lockdown. Um, so yeah, we'll be back <laughs> again next week. Um, just trying to figure out who we got. Um, um, Glenn, what's the next podcast? So yeah, Ollie, we're only going back uh, two years from this game we just covered now to 2010. So a year after the Bury uh, playoff madness. Well, not that long after actually that a year. So um. To a League Cup game against Charlton, which we unfortunately fell 3-0 behind in and came back to win 4-3 in what is probably the best comeback, at, well, definitely the best comeback at New Meadow, but um, historically one of the best comebacks we've ever had in the history of the club. And a night, again, that I was there, you were probably there, that I just remember like a, a, a really fun game early on in the season and just, as I said, historically um, very notable, Ollie. Yeah, looking forward to that one, Glenn. Should be good. Yeah, lots of goals. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that one and hope hope everyone's keeping well. Um, and yeah, we'll look forward to coming back soon. Yes, we'll see you next Sunday, guys. Uh, thanks for reminiscing with us and uh, keep yourselves safe and we'll catch you next Sunday.